Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Wednesday, December 15th, 2021. On today's episode, we're going to have a spoiler-filled discussion about Hawkeye, Episode 5, entitled Ronin. This is Slash Film Editorial Director Peter Soretta, and joining me on today's podcast is Slash Film Editor Ben Pearson. Hey, what's going on? So Brad was supposed to be back this week. Uh, last week, he was in the UK, and he still has not had time to catch up on things but Ben is still watching the show, which is, is is good news because Ben, you haven't been the biggest fan of the Marvel shows so far. It seems like I think or, that's accurate I don't, to say. Yeah, uh, are you liking this one a little bit more? Um, yeah, no, it has its <laughs> moments. It's fine. I wouldn't call this like brilliant television, but it's enjoyable enough. Yeah, yeah, I, I get that. It, it 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 definitely isn't um prestige television. Mm-hmm. But it it's a lot of fun, so yeah, yeah. Um, okay, let's. Uh, as you know, every week we have four segments. We have feedback, which we get to emails from the listeners. We go into br- our brief reactions. We go through a breakdown of the episode into speculation. So we're going to start first with feedback. Uh, we we got a lot of emails last week. Just just people, just general people saying they're enjoying the podcast. They're they're liking it. Um, didn't have any questions. So, but uh, <laughs> one we did get is Joe B from Forest of Dean, UK. He wrote in, love the podcast, loving Hawkeye. My wife was not keen as she thinks he's lame, but she is loving the show too. I'm probably being too tinfoil with this one, but I'm, it stuck with me that Jack keeps getting his sayings wrong. And now I'm wondering if this might be a sign that he's a scrawl. What do you guys think? <laughs> I kind of love that uh, because, you know, Jack seems to be one of those characters that the show was setting up to be a big deal. And as these, uh, you know, these episodes have played out, it, it seems to be that he is uh, he's not quite the the full villain figure that some may have pinned him as, you know, early on. So the idea that, you know, this like in the grand scheme of things, relatively minor character would be a scroll is kind of hilarious and also Hopefully, if that ends up being true, then that means that 
that actor will come back to reprise that role maybe in like Secret Invasion or something. So um, I, I would love to see. I, I like the Jack character. He's like a little uh, <laughs> a little cheesy, but um, I, kind of, I think in a good way. So I would love to see Jack come back in, in some other capacity, uh, you know, and, and it would give that actor more flavor too, you know, to, to uh, see what he does, you know, when nobody else is looking kind of thing. Yeah, I I agree with you. I think that would be cool. I'm not sure if there's anything other than him saying things wrong to suggest this, though, because what would the Skrull's motive be <laughs> to replace Jack? I mean, I guess maybe there's more to Eleanor than, uh, you know, this show is first letting on. I so guess, but like she- even, you know, if, if uh, and spoiler alert for Spider-Man uh, Far From Home, but if Samuel L. Jackson's Nick Fury was a scroll in that, there wasn't really any, I guess maybe you could make the argument like, oh, I don't know if Fury would have done this. I don't know if he, he maybe he would have known something was up earlier, the real Fury, but I, I don't know if there was like enough in his behavior to be able to, uh, you know, make that guess ahead of time yeah. so maybe it's just like oh some characters are scrolls and some aren't i'm, I'm curious how that's going to happen you know a little bit down the line okay episode five ronan what is your brief reaction to this episode ben um i again uh, kind of like last week i enjoyed parts of it uh th- there that uh confrontation conversation between um uh, Haley Steinfeld and Florence Pugh was like a little long and like some of the humor. Oh, really? I loved all of that. That in my notes, I was like, I loved the Yoana stuff with Kate. Like that was like the highlight of this episode for me. So I, I like it on paper and I like what it does for the show. And I like these two actresses <laughs> interacting with each other. I just thought they sort of overstayed their welcome a little bit with some of the, the, I don't know, that scene sort of dragged for me in a way that that I think they could have tightened it up a little bit. Um, and since that is such a huge percentage of this episode, it feels like that is the, the sort of moment that dominates the whole thing. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, again, with the action, like later on, there, there's a big action scene at the, um, at the used car lot. And I just like, kind of didn't think that the action looked great or was particularly well staged. There's one cool shot and um, I'll say that we'll talk about that later. Um, but yeah, you know, kind of like, okay, this is, this is all right. Uh, it was it was definitely a um, a slowed down version of some of the the pacing that we've seen from the show so far. Yeah, I'll, I'll agree there. Um, you know, I like the Elena Kate stuff. I I think this is an episode that has a ton of reveals, and it's going to be one of those episodes that people are going to be talking. Like uh, the buzz online is really high on this episode, and I think that's it's just the nature of things. People love those kind of big reveals, and um, even though we were kind of ahead of things, I felt that they were satisfying. We can get to that a little bit later. Um, you know what? L- let's just jump into it. Uh, let's jump into the breakdown. Uh, episode five, Settled Ronin. Yes, Ben, I'm going to do this. Do it. Do it. Yeah, what is the episode title in reference to, Ben? <laughs> Well, Clint Barton uh, took on this uh, this identity as as Ronan Peter, and he killed a lot of people. <laughs> yes, and what Ronan else? What else? Ronan means, if you look in the dictionary, a wandering samurai who has had who had no lord or master, or has no lord or master. So again, this could be 
as well about Quint as it could be about Yelena, who now has, you know, she's a wandering samurai who has no lord or master. And by the end of this episode, it could maybe be talking about Echo? Possibly? Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. They, it, maybe I'm stretching things here. Am I, am I stretching things? <laughs> am I trying That's to find too much meaning? To see where you're going to go with that. Uh, I'm Look, I'm sure you could read, you know, I, I don't think... Uh, the instances of double or triple meanings in this week's title are as strong as the ones that you yeah. uh, came up with last week. We'll just put it that way. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. So this episode starts in 2018. We see Elena. She's on a mission to awaken one of the many black widows. But when she gives Anna the antidote, she realizes that Anna wasn't brainwashed to kill. She's been doing this on her own terms and for great money. It's a great business, apparently. Uh, what do you think this scene is about, Ben? Uh, what do I think it's about? Well, I think it's it's about uh, you know placing us at a certain point on the timeline and really introducing <laughs> us to what Yelena has been up to in the aftermath of Black Widow and like the idea. There's that one moment where um, she sits there and is talking with uh, with Anna about like you know. Uh, we've been doing this for a while. Like we've helped a lot of black widows and it's really tough. Um, you know, she, you can see the, the weight of what they're doing um, on Florence Pugh's face. I thought her performance was really great there. She's like, it's really hard to find them. It's hard watching them wake up like it, but it's worth it. It's like uh, this work that she's doing. It just feels like, um, you know, there's all that talk about, uh, about Natasha's ledger, right? Like crossing off the red in her ledger, trying to make up yeah. for these things that she did before. And you sort of get the sense that, um, that Florence Pugh's character, Yelena is like doing the same kind of thing. Now she's, she's crossing off the red in her own ledger by helping out these, uh, other black widows and, um, sort of waking them up and unlocking them. And then also that, that you know, it transitions into that scene where she gets, uh, snapped. Well, away before we like talk I, about that, yeah, before yeah. we talk about that, I want to say, like, you know, I, I think involving Anna here is, is kind of like a mirror of Yelena and what life she could have, maybe. You know, um, if she was uh, ready she to made end. the decision to be a little bit more ruthless or, like, lean on her skills in a different way. Yeah, yeah. It, it, at, at least that's a, one thing I got out of it. It's like, oh, look, there's, you know, there's other options out there than me continuing this but I, I, I'm not sure if the, the, the episode's trying to say that. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. It, it did seem like it was kind of a mirror of her in a different, uh, different life. Yeah, it was, uh, there's kind of like a little like mini tragedy that happened in there too, because it seemed like after um, Elena was like, you know, once we essentially once we finish uh, unlocking all of these widows and sort of waking them up, then I'll be able to, somebody made a joke about like, Oh, you'll be able to live your sex and city fantasy in New York with Natasha kind of thing. And <laughs> Elena was like, not thrilled at that joke. But I think the, the truth of that, of like, Oh, she and Natasha might be able to reunite and like actually live, you know, normal lives, which is, as we saw in black widow, something that she obviously cared a lot about. Um, I think that is something that was on her mind and maybe like, was one of those things of like a long-term plan. I just have to get through this, I have to do this thing. And then, you know, my life can really begin kind of thing. And then, you know, with what happens later, it's just such a gut punch, you know? Okay. So the first episode of this, of this series, it started in 2012. And immediately when that 2012 came on screen, I was like, Oh, 
2012 New York. I know what's going on here. So when this episode started in 2018, did, did you have any idea? Because I didn't have any idea what was going to happen. Uh, no, I, I was not sure because I, for some reason, and the, the Marvel uh, Cinematic Universe timeline has always been a little wonky. Like, I think once um, Spider-Man Homecoming entered the fray and like they had some flashback <laughs> in the very beginning with Michael Keaton's Vulture and like when exactly that took place. And I think they they screwed up somewhere along the, the line because the, the deal for a long time was like, oh, these Marvel movies take place in real time as you know, as the audience is watching them, like each movie comes out, it's set in the year that it comes out kind of thing. And uh, so when it said 2018, I was like, what Marvel movies came out in 2018? I couldn't remember. And then I was like, I don't yeah. think, you know, as soon as she got snapped away, which we'll talk about here in a second, I was like, oh, I thought that happened in 2019. Um, because that's the year that Avengers uh, Infinity War came out. Um, but uh yeah, so I, to, that's a long way of saying, no, I had no idea what was coming. Yeah. Uh, what did you think of this reveal? It was cool to see it from, this is the first time I think we're seeing it from the perspective of someone that's getting uh, snapped away. And we're kind of seeing the almost instantaneous of being blooped back and how the room kind of remodels and transforms around her, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah, I th I thought it was really well done. Um, the like it, it's it almost seemed like Doctor Strange or something was involved. Like you know, as she comes back, as she like wakes back up, the room is still continuing to uh, redesign <laughs> itself. Well, as she's looking around, and I was like, is this actually happening in real time? This sort of like room manipulation kind of thing. Like has she yeah. gotten into some sort of uh, magic area of the MCU here? um with scarlet witch or something i'm like what the hell is going on and then uh yeah she, as she comes out it's it's clear what what actually happened there but yeah i thought it was a cool way to um to visualize that yeah and, uh, and she gets out and she finds anna is there she now has a husband and an adopted child um i say adopted because uh different skin color and the black widows were made so they couldn't birth children um yelena lost five years of her life and the first thing she wants to do is find her sister and tell her she's okay. Yeah, that, that's know. the that's the tragedy I uh, alluded yeah. to earlier. That's that's really, um, <laughs> I mean, that's where like you know, shit gets real for lack of a better term. And she, you know, she cuts through all of the the uh, the job stuff and just like uh, hones in on family. This is what's important. This is who I need to to find. And it's almost like the episode cuts away at that point. But it's almost like she finds out in that moment that Natasha is gone. And I don't know if Anna has that information or if if she actually learns that, you know, some other point off screen or something. But, um, yeah, that, that was a it, it's like the audience knows, you know, what 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 uh, Elena is about to learn. And that's where the gut punch aspect comes in. Yeah. Um, and I think this might be the first time we've seen in a Marvel show. It might even be the first time we've seen it in any show where we have this opening, uh, what do you call that? Cold open scene. And then it cuts to the previously on. I don't think I've ever seen that before. Have you? Um, I'm trying to remember if any other show has done that. Uh, it did. It definitely struck me as like a, uh, oh, this is the first time Marvel has done this when I was yeah. watching it. But I, I don't know if like maybe, um, I don't know, like a, not Breaking Bad, but, you know, some show like that may have done something similar a while back. 
Yeah. If, if you know, write us at peter at slashfilm.com. I'm curious. And I, I'm sure something must have done it, but I, 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 I don't know. It, it rang me as like, oh, that's interesting. I've never seen that before. And it's interesting to how it does that because it brings you back to Quint and Kate. Do you know what I mean? Like it uh, brings you back into that storyline. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So it's not just like a gimmick or something like that. So, okay. Uh, Kate returns home, bruised, sad that Quint sent her away. Eleanor asks if Quint thinks Kate is a superhero owner. I mean, uh, Kate says that she doesn't think so. Um, and she doesn't think that she's a superhero either. But at one point, she thought she could be. And um, I'm guessing in episode six, maybe we'll see her realizing that she can be. Uh, Kate confesses everything that she found out about Jack and the company that he's running, Sloan Limited. Uh, she, the weird <laughs> Eleanor doesn't seem too surprised about this, Ben. <laughs> right? Yep, like you're thinking you're this moment, like why not play it? At least like if she's acting, why not be like, no, really? You know, <laughs> have some kind yeah, of pain I, of like disbelief. Yeah, and it, yeah, it's a little strange that Kate doesn't clock that, but she's in such a vulnerable place at, yeah. as a character in this moment, and you know that that. Um, uh, I thought Haley Steinfeld and Vera Farmiga were just like, you know, lights out in the scene. I thought they were both really, really good, even if, yeah, that particular reaction didn't necessarily strike me, you know, from a, a wider, you know, uh, macro perspective of like her grand plan. Like, does that make a lot of sense to, to act that way in that moment? But um, I think the the image of like Haley, uh, or sorry, of uh, Kate like falling into her mom's arms and just like being engulfed by her mother and, and wrapped up and like, she's like, you know, Vera Farmiga's character, Eleanor is just like, oh, my little baby girl and them sitting on the bed and everything is just such a, um, you know, she's like reverting back to this child after like putting up this, uh, not a front, but like putting up, putting after like, you know, fighting on a rooftop and like, you know, being, uh, not quite an Avenger, but, um, getting involved in some serious stuff. And like, just after being beaten up physically and emotionally returning to, the arms of a mother is such a comforting thing. And I think the show captures that really well. So for both of them to, to have their um, first for Kate in particular, to have her guard down a little bit in that moment rings true to me. Yeah. Okay. So the next scene is echo telling her number two Kazi about uh, this other woman who showed up and this thing goes higher than she even thought it was. And Kazi is, uh, trying to be like, you know, I'm going to help you capture Ronan, but then the hunt ends there, right? Like this, this is not going to continue on further, um, which uh, will come into play later. Okay. So Yelena shows up at Kate's apartment and she made macaroni and cheese. She promises not to hurt her. Uh, they have this whole scene, which uh, I thought was fun. You thought it was long. Uh, the important, uh, I'm not, I'm not. I'm trying to think what was the important part of the scene. It, it, she does mention in the scene. It's interesting because this episode of the show comes out the week that Spider-Man No Way Home comes out. And in that movie, and this isn't a, I wouldn't consider this a spoiler because this is in the trailers. In that movie, there is a reveal that the Statue of Liberty is being change or retrofitted so the statue of liberty is now holding up captain america's shield um Hmm. and uh yelena mentions in the scene 
the updated like when she's like talking about the things that she should go visit and she mentions the updated statue of liberty which is kind of cool that like the synergy of the marvel cinematic universe and also in that movie in a clip that was released that's the beginning of the movie uh you see some of the rogers the musical billboards in, in no way home so it, it's i don't know i, I think that's kind of cool I was wondering about that Statue of Liberty thing because I've not seen No Way Home yet. Um, yeah. That's a that's kind of a weird choice for them to put that uh, <laughs> out into the world before No Way Home is widely viewable by mainstream audiences. You know, yeah. like you guys have seen press screenings, so you know about that. But like general audiences watching this are probably well, it's, it's like, in the trailer. Uh, yeah. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. Um, to be fair, it's not. It's it's not a plot point. It's not. It's just there. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, I thought that was interesting. So she admits that she's in New York to kill Clint and reveals that she's Natasha's sister and that Natasha is gone because of Clint. Uh, she says, you call him a hero no matter what he does and that we as people are defined on what we do, our actions, not what we say. Um, I thought this part was kind of a little bit long because we we kind of know that Yelena is being presented with misinformation here and we kind of know who Clint is. So I, I, I kind of wanted the scene to be, I don't know. There is one point where she's like, she's not doing this to help you. She's doing, he's, he's doing this to save himself and save his legacy, you know, save his, his, his reputation, name, yeah. his reputation. And that kind of ring, I wish there was like another singer of that that like would make me question Clint. But like it, it, it I feel like we have enough information and she doesn't say anything really new that makes us question it in the way that Kate is. Yeah, I just I wonder specifically what Yelena thinks she knows. Like, you know, we saw Julia Louis-Dreyfus's character present her with this file at the very end of Black Widow. But we've never seen anybody do a debrief to Yelena about exactly how Natasha died. So I wonder if she if she knows exactly what went down, if anybody knows, like how, I don't know, like, what do you think about that? The, the information of how Natasha died, do you think that is like widely out there? Mm. Or is that something that just Clint is, is you know, carrying with him as this burden um, cause he, he speaks with her later on in the episode and, and it seems like it's still, I mean, obviously her, her death is something that, uh, has hung over the, every episode of the show really. Well, I mean, the Avengers are a beloved group of people, you know, you see later that memorial to the Avengers, which lists her name on it in the battle of New York. They helped save New York and the whole world from, <laughs> from being destroyed, uh, you know, multiple times. Um, I kind of wonder what the world knows because if someone like that dies that's mm -hmm. big news right like i wonder yeah. what they know about her death and how she died and how she contributed to uh you know saving all the people who are snapped away and stuff like that right and and particularly like making the choice to to uh jump away from that wall and like sacrifice essentially sacrifice herself to save clint and his his family you know like what does Yelena know about that part and she's still mad at Clint because that, you know, having that information and still being uh, furious about at him would just make things a little bit more complicated than thinking that he, you know, made some sort of decision that got her killed or something like, you know, putting, because that was ultimately Natasha's decision, right? Like that, 
uh, that moment. She had agency yeah. in that moment and she chose that. So you would think that Yelena would, would uh, I don't know, respect that decision or something like that, at least like maybe would have a little bit more complicated feelings about it than what she seems to think right now, which is like, it's a cut and dried black and white thing. He killed my sister or, or is responsible for the death of my sister. But like, what, what exactly does she know? Yeah. I don't know. I, I wonder if we're ever going to find out. <laughs> I'm guessing that the public doesn't know the actual circumstances of what happened and that Yelena was told by someone, maybe, um, uh, I always forget her name. Contesta, the big long name that Julia yeah, Louis Dreyfus's yeah. character is. Um, maybe she was told more information, and I'm guessing not the accurate portrayal of the events. Of mm-hmm. maybe like, uh, and maybe it was in a way more of Quint like deciding that she had to go. Oh no. Well, yeah, because I mean, uh, you know, I, I that would make sense on a thematic level because Clint has a conversation with Maya where he's like you know, you and I are the same, we're weapons, um, you know, we can be manipulated, basically. And that, if that is actually what's happening with Yelena, then she is also in that same camp of like, uh, you know, she has these skills. And if somebody, uh, you know, uh, sends her down the wrong path, and she doesn't have the, the proper information to make uh, well-informed decisions with, she can be used as a weapon uh, sort of against her will, you know? Yeah. For sure. Um, yeah. Uh, Quint is now uh, sleeping on Grill's couch and Lucky is staying there. Uh, Eleanor has called the police on Jack and they're apprehending him. They're arresting him. Um, he claims he's been framed and he quotes like, I've never worked a day in my life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was funny. Uh, it's clear Eleanor is pinning everything on him, right? Yeah, I think so. Uh, we speculated last week that like the fact that he's a CEO at, at Sloan Limited, that seems like something that Eleanor easily could have uh, just, you know, dropped into her files or whatever. And he didn't have any knowledge of that. And that seems like what's happening here. The thing that I was sort of interested in is like, it looks like, and I think I didn't go back and double check this, but it looks like one of the cops who is arresting Jack is the same guy that called Kate and said, hey, come down to the station tomorrow um, in whatever that was, oh. two episodes ago. And the fact that Kate walks in and that guy How do doesn't you recall say, that then? How do you Well, cause because it was in in the previously on last week and I was oh. like, what the hell? Why was that in there? Remember we talked yeah. about that a little bit? Uh, and you were like, oh, it's just because they they wrote it down, you know, on the on the whiteboard or whatever. Yeah. Um so yeah, that I, I think it's that same guy. And the fact that Kate walks in the door and that guy's not like Hey, you, I've been looking for you. You know, you were supposed to come in or like, I've been wanting to talk to you or like, even as they're walking Jack out, like I, you know, we have unfinished business or something like, like what, I don't know. I I was a little baffled by that, but. Ben, I love that you've become obsessed with this one moment in Hawkeye. And hey man, no one know, else is obsessed with in an episode where not a ton happened in terms of like, you know, big Easter egg stuff or whatever. I got to yeah. glom on to whatever I can <laughs> that I find interesting here. So, <laughs> OK, so uh, that we, we now have that scene that Quint visits the Grand Central Station. Uh, this is where the Battle of New York Memorial exists. This is where that big uh, spinny shot from the original Avengers took place. And uh, he uses this location almost like a grave site telling He's talking to Natasha in in death that uh, he says he missed her and 
It's really like sad, emotional scene. Uh, he, he said he's sorry about what he's about to do, which I have some questions about, which we'll get to later. Um, so Kate leaves Quint a bunch of messages like a crazy person, as she says. And Quint calls his wife and brings her up to speed. And uh, the whole watch scenario that we've speculated, we spent so much time on at this point, is just like thrown out there as like, a, a throwaway thing in this explanation like is the watch not going to come back then <laughs> oh it's, it has to i think uh <laughs> right like they, they they've spent so much time on it it has to come uh, back next week have they spent so much time on it or have we spent so much time on it <laughs> well they they we've definitely spent more time than the show has for sure <laughs> yeah. um, but i think the show has has uh made it an object of interest in a way that if they never came back to it, it would be like a big WTF moment uh, in the final. If if the credits roll on episode six and they never <laughs> say it again, I think there will be a lot of articles written about what the hell was up with that watch. Yeah. Okay. Um, so <laughs> he says, if I don't end this tonight, it's only a matter of time before the big guy gets involved. And we'll learn who that big guy is later on. But when, when he said this, Ben, did, it, were, did this confirm to you what, our, our suspicions? I think so, yeah. Uh, yeah. I was like, all right. I mean, he's, he's mentioned, he's used this kind of language before, but, um, you know, it it's, all seems to be pointing in one direction here. Actually, I'll ask this right now before we get to that point in the episode, the end of the episode. But there was a scene earlier in the episode where we see Echo's backstory where we actually see the hand of uh, Kingpin. And it led every – I mean, first of all, Kingpin is the, her guardian in the comic books. Um, she uh, – so, like, there's that connection in the comic books. But then to put that in an episode must have led – like Marvel, I, I would think the filmmakers would want people to be like, oh, shit, this is happening. They're going to have Kingpin in this, this show. So they're teasing it. Do you think it would have been a better just to like not tease that and then have a reveal at the end of this episode? So we weren't like talk talking about it because I'm not even sure if we would have brought it up on this podcast if they didn't bring it up. Yeah, it, it strikes me as um, it would have been a much bigger deal if they had uh, not shown it and then just revealed it at the very end of this episode. But the amount of discussion and uh, theorizing and, and <laughs> all of that stuff that uh, Disney and Marvel got out of that little tease early, I think, sustained the conversation about this show in a way that maybe it wouldn't, or at least focus the conversation about the show um, you know, early on in a way that that helped them to sort of uh, retain dominance over, you know, the pop culture narrative in, in, for a longer period of time. It would have maybe been a bigger splash, uh, but maybe they would have lost some of the audience. Um, and I think teasing it early got people excited about, okay, so now I definitely have to tune into this to see what happens when King Ben actually shows up kind of thing. And now uh, that seems to be happening. Yeah. Um, by the way, it goes from, uh, you know, it's only a matter of time before the big guy gets involved. And then we cut to Maya in this used car lot. It's the fat man used car lot. Uh, it's owned by, I guess, the fat man. <laughs> it's one of his uh, businesses. 
so, oh, actually, I didn't mention earlier that Quint like fired this arrow into one of the vans of uh, the, uh, the tracksuit track mafia. And they, they were having this whole conversation about other like people that wear tracksuits. It's <laughs> kind of funny. Uh, mentioning like Tony Soprano and all that stuff. Anyways, um, so she, she's meeting with him here in the used car lot. And of course, uh, you know, she's a bad guy. So she has her goons patrolling the area. And uh, Quint takes them out almost in like uh, Batman Begins or the Dark Knight like fashion. Yeah, um, 100%. Yeah, this is the most Batman thing that Marvel has ever done this episode, because there's that moment also during the Kate and Yelena scene where she says, like, she basically rips off the the Christian Bale line where he's like, it's not, you know, who we are, it's what we do that defines us kind of thing. Like, it's it's almost yeah. that same exact thing, word for word. Yes. Uh, OK, so we have this fun fight here where one of them has a sword and then they kind of, the other one gets the sword and then none of them have the sword. And then they're trying to battle to get the sword. Uh, but you didn't seem to like this, this action sequence that much. Yeah. I thought it had one cool shot in it. And that was the shot that where you could see the reflection of the people fighting in the side of the car. And I was like, Oh, this oh, yeah. is really like clever cinematography. It uses the space really well. Cause otherwise there's no involvement of the cars. They could have been anywhere, you know, like there, there's nothing, um, like, I guess I don't it's, think they got thrown into the cars and stuff, did they? Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I guess it's unfair to uh, to sort of put this movie re- or this show right next to like Jackie Chan movies. But if you look at the fight scenes in all of Jackie Chan stuff, it's like that's part of what makes him so great is is the way that he interacts with the environment and the things around him and like the tools that you would think that. Uh, may not be incorporated into a fight scene. He just grabs something in these props that become like uh, integral parts of these fight scenes. And you would think that in an interesting location like this, that some of that would would happen here. And I think that one reflection shot is really the only kind of interesting thing that like marks this as, hey, this is a fight scene that happened in a used car lot, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I also want to say, aside from the juxtaposition of Clint getting off the phone, talking about before the big guy gets involved, cut to fat man used cars. I'm not sure why Clint would have Maya meet him on her home turf. That seems like not a good idea, right? Like this is property uh, we, we've seen previously in like the series that is is obviously owned by the people that she works for. Mm-hmm. Why not meet in some kind of equal standing grounds? Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I wonder, I, I don't have a good answer for that. I wonder yeah. if he just knows like, okay, she's going to have her guys circling this place. So then maybe knowing that, uh, maybe there were only so many spots that like Kazi and that the tracksuit guys could have been hiding. So maybe he sort yeah. of uh, got the drop on, maybe he did some reconnaissance on the place early or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, no, that, that's fair enough. Okay, so Ronan reveals his face. And by the way, there was some speculation that maybe this is all building up to, I'm not sure if we talked about this on the podcast. I think we did, that maybe the Ronan who killed her father was actually not Quint. It was someone else wearing the suit after he gave it up or whatever. Maybe there's, you know, so there's going to be some bigger reveal. So when Ronan was going to reveal his face, I was like, is there the possibility that it's someone else? No, it's it's, it's Quinn. 
mm-hmm. he says that uh, you know it talks about how they're both uh, being used as weapons. Uh, says that if she comes after him or his family, it will be the last thing she does. And I, I like how this whole conversation is kind of a mix of lip reading and then he eventually uses some sign language there that he knows mm-hmm. because of uh, his hearing loss and uh he the big reveal here is he was tipped off uh the reason why her father got killed was he was actually tipped off by her boss so uh in the comics kingpin tells maya that daredevil was responsible for her father's death and this is like this whole storyline that ends with her finding the truth and then eventually working with daredevil so here they've kind of changed it to hawkeye slash ronin from daredevil uh but in a way he's actually involved in the death of his or her father mm-hmm. is, is she willing to forgive him for doing it even though he was hired by someone else yeah, that's the question. Because, you know, he says to her, like, if you let, uh, what is the quote exactly? He says, if you, you know, we're weapons. Uh, oh, here it is. When you're filled with rage, it makes you blind. Um, and then he says, it could be used, could be manipulated. Um, I think he says something along the lines of, like, trust me, I know. And and that made me, that exchange, that particular trust me, I know thing made me wonder, like, how much of the Ronan slayings, you know, that that are that seem to be weighing <laughs> Clint down so heavily, were him just sort of like, um, as he said in the previous episode, dealing with the blip in in his own way, as, as sort of twisted and screwed up as it as it was, uh, and how much of it was like him doing work for other people, um, like was this. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't know. Any any thoughts about that, Peter? I, like the thing where he he's saying he seems to be implying that he was manipulated into killing people as Ronan, um, but like well, I we think don't in know this case that happened. Yeah, in, in this case he's being uh, was manipulated into killing one of the leaders of the tracksuit mafia because even even though uh, Maya's father did, did die, she he was still, uh, you know, working for Kingpin. He was still a bad dude. I'm assuming, right? Like he's still doing bad stuff. And I mean, who knows how much bad stuff we haven't really seen the, the extent of the tracksuit mafia. Right. But I'm guessing they're killing people and stealing. And uh, I mean, does he deserve to die? That's a, <laughs> I can't make that judgment, Ben. Right. But <laughs> I, I'm not sure that Hawkeye was going out and just being hired to kill random people. I think it was all people that he thought deserved vengeance. Yeah, I think you're right. It's just the 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 trust me, I know thing. I was sort of really hung up on that line. I'm like, what what does that mean? Like, what <laughs> I don't know. Uh, maybe we'll find out next week. Um, maybe that's something that will just continue to play out with Clint's character as he, you know, uh, continues to appear in the MCU. Because this seems like a this weight, this burden that he's carrying, um, especially in this episode, it seems like the the defining thing of his character now. Um, where I think you could say that his character was a little aimless before, well, <laughs> pun intended, Peter, <laughs> uh, a little aimless before um, that now it's like, oh, at least here is what Clint's, um, you know, this is his, his the defining aspect of his character. So uh, yeah, I, I wonder how 
interested Marvel is in complicating that and sort of they're certainly interested in dealing with the fallout of his actions. But are they because I think it would be more interesting if he was just like on this bloodthirsty rampage and this guy that everybody thought was a hero actually did some heinous, horrible shit. And if they're trying to say in this exchange, oh, I know what it's like to be manipulated. If they're trying to give him an out a little bit on a, on a moral level, like, oh, I just did this because I was following orders, whatever, that sort of makes it less interesting to me. But I don't know um, the extent to which they're going to explore that. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> okay, well, at the end of the scene, Maya is about to take the death blow, but uh, before she can, Kate shoots and allows Quint to escape. And uh, Maya ends up uh, questioning Kazi about why he wasn't at the meeting that night that her father was killed because he was her num- his number two. And uh, she's very quick to connect the dots here. So do, do we think earlier when Kazi was telling Echo that she needs to – this needs to be the end, is, is this why? Was he, was he in on it? Oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Like, like the way that he reacts in that conversation with her, uh, that makes it seem like he he's working for Kingpin, um, maybe in a more direct way that than even Maya knew, and he was in on yeah whatever this was this this plan to kill her father. I think he he knows exactly what's going on. Yeah, he's part of the mechanism to use her as a weapon, right? So, mm-hmm. yeah. okay. Um, so Kate tells Quint that the black widow is actually Natasha's sister. And here's the, here's where I have the question for you, Ben, because I, I'm actually not sure how to read this. So he acts like he didn't know that, but at my first impression was he clearly did because he went to that memorial and was like, I'm sorry about what I'm going to have to do. What What is your reading on this? Because uh, my read was, that it was genuine his reaction in the car that he did not know that uh the black widow that appeared in that fight was yelena um i think what he was apologizing to natasha for was putting the ronin suit back on and Uh. um you know getting back into that identity and all the things that come with that all the baggage that comes with that and potentially all the you know the the um, other deaths that he's going to have to cause uh in order to sort of clean this up and, and sort of tighten everything up and, and make the world safe again for his family. So I think that is, that that's like sort of the subtext of the phone call that, that I read between him and Laura, where she's just like, you're not calling me for permission. You're, you're just going to, I trust your judgment. You got to do what you got to do. And like, I understand. So I think she's saying like, I understand that you're probably going to have to kill some people, even though that's not an ideal situation, but like, I, I trust what you're about to do. And I think Clint is just really, um, torn up about that inside um but he i think he feels backed into a corner and there's no way out yeah i think you you have fully answered my question because he also in that phone call does not say anything about natasha's sister he says like a black widow like it's just like a disposable it's one of the black widows that's after Mm me um so i think you're right and i completely misread that um okay so this is the end of the episode kate receives a text message from yelena who informs her in dramatic fashion. I, I like when movies and TV shows do this now where you're looking at the text messages and you get like one text message and you get like the dot, 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 and you're waiting for the next one. And the next one adds to it and then dot, dot, dot. And then like 
Next one, you know, it, it's a dramatic way to reveal things. Um, informs her that she was hired um, to kill Quint by her mom. Mm-hmm. And who who is that with her mom in like this uh, video file that she sends? It's Kingpin, played by Vincent D'Onofrio in the Daredevil Netflix series. And uh, we'll talk about this in a second here. I just want to mention the credits. Uh, play You're a Mean One, Mr. Grinch, um, which is a Christmas song. This series is set at Christmas. Uh, is it talking about Kingpin? Ben, am I reading too much into it? <laughs> no. Uh, I will say the, the the end of the credit sequence, I think a lot of people will probably miss this. Like it has that animated kind of thing. And at the end of the credit sequence, it's like in the matte fraction, uh, like the 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 style of that comic book series. And in the end, it has uh, them on the roof, and it pulls back, and the the whole thing is silhouetted by the silhouette of Kingpin. Hmm. So it's kind of a, a a cool little thing there. There isn't a in credit scene as there has been in some of the other Pentultimate uh, Marvel shows but okay uh what did you think of the kingpin reveal ben uh well i think we knew it was coming i i don't know i i sort of had my suspicions that maybe it was gonna happen like at the very very end like a post-credit scene or something um because i think they they did a good job in this episode of like you know i was talking a lot earlier about uh uh kate falling into eleanor's arms and and sort of like reestablishing that uh, motherly bond mother daughter bond and sort of the vulnerability that comes with that the trust that's there i thought all of that work was really well done to to uh reestablish that relationship and set um kate up for a, a really high fall when she realizes that eleanor is actually responsible which is something we've been talking about for a long time now so now that she knows um that reveal is just like a little bit more crushing um but because of that I'm wondering how much Vincent D'Onofrio's character is going to dominate this final episode, um, or if he is just being reintroduced back into the MCU and is not going to really play a major role in this this uh, show. Maybe he's just going to have like a scene or something because they've gone to such degrees to make us care about Kate and Eleanor and the relationship there. Um, I feel like if kingpin just like barges in and takes over the narrative in the final episode of the show we're not necessarily going to have time to get the closure that we need or at least the the interactions that we want the dynamics that we want from this mother-daughter pairing that we've spent so much time with already so i don't know yeah uh now that we're in speculation i I was gonna say you know we only have one episode left who is the big bad here because i'm guessing We'll find out that jack has nothing to do with anything and was framed we're gonna echo is gonna end up um working with or maybe just helping the heroes mm-hmm. in some small way Elaine is going to learn the truth about her sister's death and uh either walk away or help them so that leaves us with Eleanor Kazi and Kingpin and I I think Kingpin's too big of a fish to dispose with in this series i feel like the echo series is going to be about that yeah i think, I think so too so it's I eleanor think. and kazi i guess 
I think so. I think those are the ones. I mean, maybe there will be a thing where Kingpin, you know, escapes barely, you know, with his life or something at the end of, of whatever uh, ultimate battle or something happens here. But, you know, they mentioned last week, like, oh, there's a big, um, what did Eleanor call it? Like the Bishop family Christmas party or something, right? Like they they keep uh, alluding <laughs> to this big thing. And that sort of seems like a, a perfect way for like uh, Vincent D'Onofrio to sort of saunter in, you know, in this like high society social um situation um where there's a lot of people around and so you can't really get into like a full-on brawl there but it seems like a good way to for a couple of the characters to interact in a scenario like that so i'm curious you know exactly to insert his dominance in some way of being like Mm -hmm. i know who you are i know your family kind of thing yeah yeah Hmm. i've always been reading that that Christmas party. I always thought that that was going to be the end scene. That was going to be the, you know, the happy ending. And, you know, Kate was going to be there kind of as an adopted uh, part of the family. But maybe you're right. Maybe it's left on more of a cliffhanger. Yeah. I I wonder if Eleanor is going to make it out of this show alive. Um, Like I, I would not be surprised for Kate to, uh, I mean, maybe it's a little too dark for a, a Christmassy kind of show to end with its main character orphaned by the end of the <laughs> of the show. But like, also, uh, do you think that her dad is really actually dead? I've seen some speculation about that. Like, maybe because we didn't see him die in that 2012 prologue, we didn't see him die on screen, and because we've been assuming that Eleanor is a villain, that maybe she. Maybe there's some sort of nefarious off-screen something that we saw there where like her dad isn't actually dead. So maybe Eleanor mm. disappears or is killed or is arrested and then maybe Kate gets her dad back or something like that at the at the end of this episode. That seems like uh, they haven't really planted a lot of seeds for that over the past few episodes. So that might feel like it's out of nowhere if that actually happens. But that could just be like internet speculation talking, you know? I don't I don't know. I don't know um what you can really Yeah, I don't think you can you, that seems like too much to cram into this last yeah. episode. Uh okay, so in, in this episode at one point I he tell uh Quint tells his wife uh, if I don't end this tonight, it's only a matter of time before the big guy gets involved. And it's almost like said like in a threatening way like he doesn't, you know, he doesn't want the big guy to get involved. Quint's dealt with some some big level threats. He's, th- he's th- you know, dealt with Thanos. What, what, what it, why is he so worried about the Kingpin? Yeah, that's a good question. But, but Laura is also worried about this. Like he says, you know, something about the big guy getting involved and she's like, Jesus, are you serious? Like her, her response yeah. is, um, is equally, uh, I don't know, scared or like, um, you, you, you feel the weight, uh, of that. So, um, I don't know. I wonder if they have like some sort of, they must have some sort of past relationship, right? Like if he knows about Kingpin, if he refers to him like that to Laura, there must be some sort of history between those characters. So what do you think that history is? I don't know. And the other thing I don't know about, what were you going to say? I was just going to say, do you think that Clint just knows who Kingpin is or do you think he's actually interacted with him before? I mean, he was hired by him, right? Or not hired. I guess he wasn't hired. He was tipped off. That's yeah, different than like, being ty- hired. That's just g- given information. Right. Like, th- did they ever come face to face back when, you know, he he killed Maya's father? Um, or, I-, I don't know, was that manipulation done 
through a third party or something. I guess it would be less effective that way. So maybe we can assume that that he he actually maybe that's why Laura is so worried about it and and maybe why Clint is so worried about it is because Kingpin was able to manipulate him um into, you know, uh some of this this bloodshed that he committed when he was Ronan. So maybe he's just worried about um coming face to face with that kind of figure again in his life who who had such power over him at his you know when he was at his lowest when he thought his family's gone forever yeah um last time we saw kingpin uh vincent d'onofrio as kingpin it was in the netflix daredevil series and he was being taken into custody by the fbi it's been a while since i've seen this series ben i uh so i don't really remember everything but um I, I do remember earlier in that series, he was also in prison and then he got out of prison. Uh, I don't remember how. I don't remember why. I probably should have done the research for this podcast. But um, so I'm guessing him being taken into custody by the FBI doesn't mean that the Netflix series isn't canon. Do you, do you think it's going to be canonized? I don't think so. I, mean, I think they're just, I mean, I, this is based on absolutely nothing, but I feel like they just liked the casting. Kevin Feige just liked the casting yeah. and he's just, you know, none of that stuff that happened in the the Netflix version is actually going to be woven in here at all. I think it's just going to be, hey, this is Kingpin. He was the Kingpin in those shows. That doesn't matter. He's the Kingpin here. Nothing that happened to him in those old, in those old shows uh, actually happened to this version of the character. I think it's just the same character uh, or, or the same actor playing maybe a slightly different version of the character or something. Yeah, it, I, I think they're treating it like the um, Star Wars does with the Star Wars Legends. So when Disney bought Lucasfilm, all the everything except for the movies was basically turned into what they call Legends, which is means it's not part of the canon. But since then. Disney uh, with Star Wars has brought stuff in from Legends. So they've brought like uh, Grand uh, Admiral Thrawn. They've brought they've brought a bunch of stuff back from Life Day. I guess is now canon. So they're picking and choosing what they want to use, and not saying that like all the stuff happened. It's kind of like, um, I mean, in in a word, the the whole <laughs> what they call it Legends makes sense because like it, it's it's you know stories people have told. Some of it might be true, and some of it might might not be true. And they can pick what they want to be true going forward that will fit their stories. And I think that's probably what they're going to do with these Netflix shows because I'm, I'm guessing, you know, I mean, this isn't going to be the last time we're going to see Kingpin. And I'm guessing once you open the door to this, you're going to see other uh, Netflix Marvel characters appear at different points. But you don't want to be tied to all what has been shown. So I'm guessing they're just going to pick and choose and de- decide that they don't need to ever debunk something does that make sense yeah i think so and i think i would not be surprised if like you know some of the other characters from those uh marvel netflix shows if feige wants to use them i would not be surprised at all if he just recasts those roles and just like keeps the actors that he liked or thought were well done or like uh, particularly well liked by fans or something but um i i think under no circumstances will kevin feige be reined in or or sort of find himself boxed in by decisions that jeff Loeb made when he was running marvel television i just think feige is like too uh you know he, he's he's got his own thing going on here and he's not gonna play by those rules but ben it was all connected 
Um, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jeremy has a piece on the site uh, saying Hawkeye Episode 5 uh, suggests that, yes, those are canon. I'll link that in the show notes. Uh, do you have any final thoughts on this episode of the series? Uh, there's that one moment where um, Kate uh, rescues Clint from Maya and they get in a what looks like an Uber and they uh, drive away and, and make their escape and then they pull up the next morning to some other location and they get out and there's this shot from behind of Clint handing an arrow to Kate. Uh, I don't know. I have not read the comics that this is based on or sort of the comics that inspired this show, but that feels like a, a really powerful image of him, like almost literally passing the torch to this new version of Hawkeye. Um, especially considering that Clint, you know, dons the Ronin costume again and gets back into that identity in this episode. Uh, so I just thought it was a really cool, look so if that is not ripped directly from the pages of the comics then i just want to give a shout out to whoever directed this episode is it burton birdie again or i don't remember who uh directed this episode but um they didn't direct all the episodes of the season i don't remember let me see here i'm playing it right now it is uh directed by burton birdie okay yeah so um yeah the this the framing of that i thought was just really well done so um there's a lot of uh of symbolism in that um, in that particular shot so um, I also want to say I liked how Yelena kept on calling Kate Kate Bishop. <laughs> she, 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 she mentioned her by name. Like she couldn't just say Kate, mm-hmm. <laughs> Kate Bishop. Yeah, no, I, I love that. I did like um, the, you know, I, I, yeah, I, I said before, I liked the, uh, the idea of those two characters interacting because I think moving forward, those actresses are clearly going to be positioned as like major parts of the MCU. They're both like, really good as their characters and just like uh i enjoyed the chemistry that they had together and the sort of weird you know back and forth and sort of uh shifting power dynamics and and Haley steinfeld feeling like so um sort of out of place as as uh florence Pugh comes in sort of like physically dominates the scene almost um so i i love the idea of seeing more of those characters together in the future i just personally found that like some of the the humor dragged on a little bit too long for me in that in that one scene but i love the idea of those two together and um and yeah i look forward to seeing how that gets uh gets brought in and maybe next week's episode or definitely future projects beyond that yes okay uh you can find more of all of our work at slashroom.com if you want to write in for feedback of next week's episode you can do so at peter at slashroom.com uh, this podcast, Slash from Daily, can be found on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please feel free to send us – or sorry. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm delirious. Uh, please rate and read this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends. Spread the word. And we'll see you tomorrow.